0: If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, answering arguments against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. It is an ancient hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and it's fitting that it is one of the longest sung songs the church, because in one form or another, the church has been singing this song since, well, by the Spirit, St. John tells us in the closing of the book of Revelation to continually pray, come Lord Jesus. And that's what we're doing when we pray, oh come, oh come Emmanuel. Now he's already come in his incarnation, but he's promised to come again in more than one way, to come to us and to be with us, to abide with us continually through his word and through his sacraments. But he's also promised that second coming. And when we sing this song of Advent, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we're really asking for all three things, from our Emmanuel, God with us, from our wisdom, from the Lord of might, from the branch of Jesse's tree, and so on. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this Wednesday afternoon, December the 23rd. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. We're going to be studying the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, with Pastor Will Whedon. He's assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called the word of the Lord endures forever. Will, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Todd. A joy to be with you. So it means, Emmanuel, means God with us. We get that from the Gospels. How would you respond to someone who says that 2020 and all the events that are occurring and still occurring around us, a global pandemic and other things, political unrest, it does not seem like God is with us. Well, you know, that's almost exactly the
1: kind of situation in which the promise was first spoken. Because when God sent Isaiah to Ahaz, it was a dark time for the kingdom of Judah, the kingdom to the north, that would be the Israelite kingdom. It and it's sort of like the bigger neighbor. And the the, the much bigger bully just north of that, Syria, were in league together, and they were coming against Judah. And it really looked bad for the people of God. It looked like there they might be wiped out there in the southern kingdom. And so in their terror, God sends them a word and says, you don't need to be afraid of those bullies. I will give you a sign. The sign is Emmanuel. The sign is God is with you. And this is the greatness of the sign. I mean, he he says at the beginning, you can ask for any kind of sign. I mean, it can be huge. It could be up in heaven above or as deep as the earth beneath. It can be a massive sign. And indeed, the sign when it comes is that huge. A virgin will conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel. God with us. So in the very darkest hour of the kingdom of Judah, God gives a promise to get his people through. And they couldn't see it fulfilled right away. It would take a little bit of time, right? But the promise was to give their faith something to hang on to, to get them through the dark times. The promise, I haven't left you. I'm never going to leave you. You're my people. I love you. I'm giving you a redeemer. This hymn
0: really has a fascinating history that its roots go deep, deep, deep into the annals of church time. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, it took its origin from the medieval practice of singing certain antiphons—these are like little refrains—before the chanting of Magnificat, the Song of Mary, in the church's Vesper service, which is her evening prayer service. Each antiphon calls out to Christ with an O—and and then a title, mostly from the Old Testament for him. The antiphon would be repeated after the singing of Magnificat, and it was like a big deal to be chosen to sing one of these great O antiphons. And often the singer was the person in the monastery more or less associated with the title. So the head librarian for O Wisdom, or the gardener for Oh, root of Jesse, the porter for O key of David. And of course, of course, the abbot himself, the big honcho in the monastery, he got pride of place and he got to sing Oh, Emmanuel. And it's got a beautiful tone. And I'll tell you a secret. If you go check out the Lutheran Witness blog for online articles, I've got a devotional series up there on these great O antiphons. And you can hear Chaplain Sean Denzer sing them the way that they'd originally been done. Well, except he is singing them in English rather than in Latin. But you can hear their beautiful and haunting melody. And I think there's even a smidge of it that carries over into the haunting melody that we use for the hymn. So if we run down the days, you get, O Sapientia, O Wisdom, that's December 17th, O Adonai, O Lord, that's December 18th, O Radix Jesse, O Root of Jesse, that's December 19th, O Clavis David, O Key of David, that's December 20th, O Oriens, O day spring, or sun, that's the 21st. O rex gentium, O king of the Gentiles, that's the 22nd. And finally, O Emmanuel, O God with us, and that's the 23rd. So the use of these antiphons on these days, it marks the last tilt of the Advent season toward Christmas. And it sort of forms a mini season all to itself. And what's mega cool about the titles is that if you read them backwards from December 23rd, the titles for Christ give you in Latin, Ero cras. That means tomorrow. I'll be here. And so the coded message that announces the impending arrival of the king, the one long awaited for, whose birth is celebrated the next day, the evening of the 24th. The antivods themselves are like so much else. They're just an anonymous treasure from the medieval church. We have no idea who the person was. And I should add, Todd, there were actually other systems of antiphons at the time of the Reformation. Sometimes you would have even more. The The great Magdeburg book of the uh, Lutheran Magdeburg Cathedral has, I think, three extra antiphons. So it depends on where you were, what the antiphons were. But these seven are the
0: core ones and the original ones. So just real quickly, how did the antiphons become the hymn we're looking at today?
1: Aha. Uh-huh. Well, the versified form of the hymn first appeared in 1710 in a Catholic hymnal in Cologne, They don't get into English before the mid-19th century, though not all the antiphons are represented at first. Stanzas 2 and 7 are among the latest to show up, and they don't show up till the hymnal 1940 of the Episcopal Church. And the tune in its current form showed up first in a hymnal published by John Mason Neal in 1856. And uh, I, I think he's also the guy who gave us the diversified form originally. The hymn itself is the hymn of the day for the fourth Sunday in Advent.
0: What would you say, you mentioned the Isaiah root for this, Emmanuel, repeated again in the New Testament, what would you say the primary biblical texts are before we look at the first stanza?
1: Well, you know, there's so many, as we go through each one, we're going to have to talk about its biblical text because each one is rooted in a different part of the scriptures that really tie it so beautifully together and show you from start to finish that the scriptures are to be given a Christological read, that you you hear these titles of Christ that show up in the Old Testament and that the New Testament sometimes even obscurely picks up and says, no, 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 that's really all about Jesus. We're going to see as we go through it. Certainly the foundational one, especially for the first stanza, is Isaiah chapter 7, and its fulfillment in, well, it's maybe Matthew 1, of, is the, probably the most prominent place.
0: The first stanza of O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel.
2: Oh, come
3: on.
0: Will, you had mentioned that this first stanza in our version of it is the culmination of the original O Antiphons. Why was that? Why was this final word that we now put first so important, God with us? Well, it's one of the most important titles for
1: Christ that's given anywhere in the scriptures that that this child of Mary is actually God himself in human flesh and blood. This is the eternal son. The word, the word that is with God and is God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And because of that, God is with us. I mean, that's such an amazing thing. You know, there is an awesome quote from uh, Peeper, the famous early 20th century dogmatician, that our dear Dr. Nagel loved to, to uh, cite. The incarnation, Peeper says, destroys Pelagianism. You know, Pelagianism, the idea that you got to do something to get to God. because then you see there's no distance for you to go to get to God. In the incarnation, he comes all the way down to where you are. As Dr. Nagel would say, he becomes the one sitting on your chair. (laughs) I've always treasured that. That's how Emmanuel he is. He comes all the way to us in the flesh and in the blood. And, you know, like I said, that's Based on the promise from Isaiah 7:14, Matthew cites it as fulfilled in the virgin birth of Christ. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall bear a son and shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Isaiah had called it a great sign, higher than heaven, deeper than the depths. And some of the fathers, they make fun of the Jewish interpretation that sees this as merely some young woman getting pregnant in the usual way. The father scoff. What is that a sign of? That's not a sign of anything great. It happens all the time that way. For it to be a great sign... Got us to do something really weird, like the virginal conception, and like most of the fathers believed, also a virginal birth, both of which proclaimed that the child really is God with us because no one else could be conceived and born in that way. And you know, here at the start, we should highlight Todd. That it ends with this joy thing, rejoice, rejoice, and that's going to run through all of the stanzas, right? The coming of Jesus into the flesh is the bringing of an unquenchable joy to humanity. How beautifully the Gospels tell this from the announcement of the angels on the night of his birth Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be to all people, for to you is born this day a Savior. Great joy can almost be taken as another name for Jesus. Did he not say, And I speak these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full? Think about how Luke highlights this throughout Acts, where everywhere the word of the Lord grows and spreads, and it's marked by the presence of joy. Joy in the city of the Samaritans after Philip preaches and baptizes them. Joy as the Ethiopian eunuch heads off after Philip is spirited away. And so many other spots. So don't miss this. The advent of Of the church's preaching of the gospel is the arrival of joy because it's the proclamation of Jesus. And a joyless Christianity, Todd, man,
0: that is just a contradiction in terms. With that said, this first stanza talks about a captive Israel, a lonely exile, and yet being called to rejoice. Yeah, right. In the midst of their
1: their sorrow, they are called to rejoice. And what's kind of interesting is the focus of all the Antiphons really is that he comes to the Gentiles, but here we hear about Israel, the stanza put Israel up top, but that's because the Gentiles have been joined to Israel through their faith in Jesus to wait. And yes, We join Israel in waiting for for that moment when God came in the flesh. We sort of do that in Advent every year, and then we celebrate at Christmas. But we also join Israel in waiting for the moment when the Messiah is finally revealed in his full glory. That's still coming down the road when all the sorrows will be healed. Because in the meantime, there is a sense of mourning and exile as we wait. But we wait as people who have a joy. That no sorrow of this world can finally chase away.
0: We're studying the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, with Pastor Will Whedon of the Word of the Lord Endures Forever. O Come, thou wisdom from on high, who orderest all things mightily, to us the path of knowledge show, and teach us in her ways to go. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. That second stanza, next. For a year-end tax-deductible gift of $250 or more to Issues Etc., we'll send you our new book, Objections Overruled, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a recording of 15 Epiphany Hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online donation at issuesetc.org, or you could also contribute by check, make your check payable to Issues Etc., and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Thanks for your support.
4: For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
5: The faith, once for all, delivered to the saints. You're listening to Issues Etc.
6: Are you looking for the historic liturgy of the church and the true sacraments of our Lord administered rightly? Then we would like to invite you to Zion Lutheran Church in Pampa, Texas, where the Lord gathers us around his gifts of word and sacrament and where heaven and earth come together. If you live in or are visiting the Northeast Panhandle of Texas, we welcome you to the Divine Service at 10.30 a.m. with Bible class and Sunday school at 9.15. Come join us.
7: Remember when education was about the fundamental skills of reading, writing, and arithmetic? And about reading great literature and studying history to give our kids a model for what it is to be a good person? Memoria Press's Classical Christian Curriculum offers that very model for your homeschool. Get $5 off your next order by using the coupon code LPR21. For more information, go to memoriapress.com. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time.
0: in Public Radio Choir with stanza two of the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We're studying that hymn with Pastor Will Whedon. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. These books are published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. What would you say of the second stanza, Will?
1: Well, you know, am I allowed to go back just for a second? Because there was something I forgot to do with stanza one. I would like to just let the people hear each of the actual antiphons, the texts of those antiphons that go with the, the, the you know each of the stanzas. So for O Emmanuel, the actual text is, O Emmanuel, our King and our Lord, the anointed for the nations and their Savior, come and save us. O Lord, our God. Now, doing the exact same thing for that beautiful stanza you just heard. O wisdom, proceeding from the mouth of the Most High, pervading and permeating all creation, mightily ordering all things, come and teach us the way of prudence. Now, the actual verse in view here is from the Apocrypha, from the book of wisdom. Listen, wisdom seven, verse 26. Wisdom is more mobile than any motion. Because of her pureness, she pervades and penetrates all things. And wisdom eight one, she reaches mightily from one end of the earth to the other and orders all things well. Now, You can hear obvious parallels between that commentary on wisdom and the way it's treated, say, in Proverbs 8, which was a really important Christological text in the early days. The idea that Jesus is logos, that he is the word, the logic behind the creation. He is the wisdom through which God created all things. And so you have Paul saying things like you hear in Colossians chapter 2 that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I mean think about that. Everything that can ever be known or comprehended, it's all in Christ. He is the key that unlocks it all. Or like we have in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, where Paul will call Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so the prayer for the mind of Christ to be formed in us. St. Paul, again in Philippians 2, tells us that we need to partake of the mind of Christ, that is, partake of God's wisdom. The danger of not doing so is, is shown in that whole incident where Jesus begins telling the disciples what's going to happen when he goes up to Jerusalem and Peter takes him aside and rebukes him. And he has to tell Peter, you know, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is set on the things of man and not the things of God. So we need to get rid of the mind set on the things of man, and we need to get the new perspective on life and on all things that comes in and through Christ, who is the wisdom of God come into human flesh, that we might be wise. And the wisdom that we pray for here, Todd, is not just... It's not just stuff in the head, but but prudence so that you know how to apply the wisdom to your life in a way that will reflect the glory of God. What is the path of knowledge that it mentions there in that stanza? Well, the path of knowledge beyond shadow of doubt is the sacred scriptures. They are the path he gives us that we might come to know him. Todd, is it ever any different? If you really want to come to know a person— you need to come to know their stories. They said, you know, they'll say, sit down, let me tell you something. (laughs) They tell you a story and that's how you come to know them. You don't know a person when you know facts about them. You know them when you know their stories. And so the path of wisdom is God says, hey, pull up a chair, sit down. I got to tell you about this guy, this guy named Abraham. (laughs) You know, the story starts and rolls on and it's by being enfolded in God's story that we come to the path of knowledge we come to actually know him knowing ourselves knowing our world knowing what we are in this world and what its final destination is to be
0: there's a teaching aspect here maybe we as lutherans have not thought deeply enough about jesus as a teacher we do emphasize everything else he does for us But he also teaches us, doesn't he? Oh, man. Yeah, no, it's a really important
1: thing. Well, it runs right along with him being the example. He teaches us by his words and by his example, and he calls us to walk in his footsteps, to follow behind him, to do as he does, particularly in his wisdom of not insisting on his own way, but saying to the father, thy will be done. He calls us into that with him. And then he calls us into this, not retaliating, not taking vengeance, but absolutely trusting that the father will take care of all things in the end. Meanwhile, our calling here is to live in love. That is the greatest wisdom of the world. And Christ both teaches it and he exhorts us to move into it and make it our
0: own. One more thing, Will, before we we move on to stanza three, and, and that is Paul speaks of this wisdom also being manifest in at least two places, the wisdom of the cross and the foolishness of the cross and the foolishness of what we preach. What is he talking about there? Well, the wisdom that God proclaims in Christ looks stupid
1: to this world. It's like, if you're not looking out for number one, who is going to take care of it? I mean, you can't just trust yourself to God. That's how the world thinks. Look what happens. You end up nailed to a tree. See, that's what happened to the guy who trusted himself to God. And, and the wisdom that we proclaim is, yes, he ended up nailed to the tree that he might deliver you the condemned from condemnation and bring you the gift of life. No, it doesn't make sense. It's not what we would expect, but it is what God has done for you in Christ. And it's the path of wisdom, the words, the stories of God that he tells you in his sacred word that opens your eyes to see this in wonder and awe and love. And it totally changes you from the inside out once you get it.
0: We're studying the Advent Hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Pastor Will Whedon, host of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, is our guest. When we come back, stanza three. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Stay tuned.
8: Of an endless loop of pop Christmas music. Coming December 24th, sacred music for the Christmas season, Lutheran Public Radio.org. Serenity, Stability. Solemnity. Lutheran Public Radio. Sacred music for the Christmas season. Coming Christmas Eve at LutheranPublicRadio.org.
5: Logia Journal. The Confessional Dogmatic Series. The works of Kurt Marcourt and many other resources are all brought to you by Luther Academy. Did you know that during this time of COVID-19, your purchases and donations help Luther Academy supply these same resources to pastors around the world? Please consider helping us with this important need through your prayers and financial support. Learn how you can help by visiting lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com.
6: Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org.
5: Still proclaiming the Word of God during a global pandemic? You're listening to Issues etc.
1: I like to think of the deaconess'
6: vocation as driven by two things, the love of Christ and the needs of our neighbor.
0: Issues, etc. regular guest, Dr. James Busher, Director of Deaconess Studies at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, on the vocation of deaconess.
6: First, the deaconess is moved by the love of Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve. Yet, I think we can also see the profound needs around us, broken families, loneliness, despair deaconesses help the church to become a true family that manifests the love of Christ in our love for one another,
0: and especially for those in need. For more information on the Deaconess Studies program at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, visit ctsfw.edu or call Concordia Theological Seminary at 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155. three of the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We're studying that hymn here on Issues Etc. with Pastor Will Whedon. So it's Jesus on Mount Sinai with Moses, surrounded by lightning and thunder and the trumpet blast, after all.
1: Yeah, it's a joyous hymn that way. And I, uh, let me give the original again, because it has something extra that the stanza just kind of left out. O Adonai and ruler of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the burning bush and gave him the law on Sinai. Come with an outstretched arm and redeem us. So note, Todd, there's actually two titles snuck into this one antiphon. He's Adonai. And when you see Adonai, remember that's the Jewish circumlocution around Yahweh right? That's how, the same thing in English, right? Where you see the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, you know, that's Yahweh lying underneath of that. So Jesus is Yahweh, and he is the ruler of the house of Israel. So with the burning bush, remember Moses, this is Exodus 3, he catches sight of this weird thing and and even calls it a great sight before he even gets there. And he's like, what is going on here? Why isn't that bush being burned up? And as he comes to the bush, God calls out to him, you know, Moses, Moses, and he gives the usual response, here am I. And he says, don't don't come near, take your sandals off your feet, because the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he identifies himself, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, he's afraid to look at God. And then it says, then the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital Z, then Adonai said to him. I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry and I know their suffering and I've come down to deliver them. So you have this beautiful picture at the beginning of o Adonai. He is the one who is Yahweh at the burning bush and the fathers all took this Todd as a sign of the, uh, of the incarnation married to them was, was the bush, right? I mean, because she, In her womb, she contained the one who is the everlasting burnings, and yet she was not burned up. The fire of God's love was inside her body, and yet it did not destroy her. But then the Antiphon moves to the law on Sinai, the ruler of the house of Israel. Todd, you know the thing about rulers? They can make rules. And so the one who is the ruler of the house of Israel gives 10 rules on Mount Sinai, 10 laws for his people to live by. And then the the, the prayer, because of those 10 laws, which Neither Israel nor we have kept, we cry out, Come with an outstretched arm and redeem us. In the background, there, you've got the promise from Exodus 6:6. Say to the people of Israel, I'm the Lord your God. I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And isn't it impossible to miss? That this Emmanuel, this one who is Adonai and the ruler of the house of Israel, the very source of the Ten Commandments, which contain the wisdom of God for human life, is it not impossible to miss that he would stretch out his arm on a tree, the greatest judgment of God against the enemies of God's people there rendered? and we thus are redeemed and delivered from our slavery. Jesus is Adonai. Jesus is Yahweh. He is God in the flesh.
0: There's no Manichaeanism here whatsoever. There is no contrast or even any light between the God revealed in the Old Testament and the God revealed in the New Testament.
1: Right. I mean, that whole idea that you have this fundamental opposition between the meanie God of the Old Testament and the nice, sweet God that the New Testament reveals, you can only get that by really seriously apocopating major sections of the New Testament so that you can ignore them, which is exactly what the Manichaeans did, right? They, they sort of like wiped out sections so they wouldn't have to consider them. But in contrast to that, you have a very full understanding from the get-go in the Church that the one who is operative in all of Israel's history, it's the same one that walked among us, born of the virgin, nailed to the tree, risen from the dead, sitting now at the right hand of his father. He is the one who was with them in the wilderness. He is the one who spoke on Sinai.
0: And he is the one because he is the origin of this law, which, as you have said, rightly puts us under God's judgment because of our sin, who can come again and judge the living and the dead. Yeah, he's going to
1: judge the living and the dead, and he is the one then who can only keep that law, and he's fulfilled it and kept it all the way to his cross so that he has provided for the world right now this perfect righteousness, like come shelter underneath the perfect keeping of the law. There's only one from the lawgiver himself who takes on flesh and blood to keep it so that it can be given as a gift to
0: us. Anything else I add in stanza three?
1: No, I think that that really kind of nails it. It's, in many ways, it's one of the more shocking stanzas to just flat-out identify our Lord Jesus Christ as Yahweh.
0: When we come back from our break, we're going to look at stanza four of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Our guest is Pastor Will Whedon. He's assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship For the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, he is author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he is host of the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. O come, thou branch of Jesse's tree, free them from Satan's tyranny that trust thy mighty power to save, and give them victory o'er the grave.
6: Church music directors can find a new community at Prelude to Postlude, the CPH Music blog. Learn helpful tips for managing music ministry and involving members and meet the composers of some of your favorite new pieces. Plus, find suggestions of music to use for special services and preview some of our newest works with free samples you can
1: use at your church. Visit us at PreludeToPostlude.org.
9: In 2020, the world was blindsided. At the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, we quickly refocused on how to best serve the church. Our COVID-19 response team took action, reaching out and listening to our borrowers. In response, we offered a number of financial remedies that allowed our borrowers time to stabilize. We also provided online streaming kits for churches, gift cards for food pantries, financial support for LCMS church workers, and much more. Life's not yet back to normal, and that's why we're still here for you. Visit LCEF. Dot org to learn more,
5: solid, serious, substantive. You're listening to Issues, etc.
6: I'm Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org/ worship. You'll find resources on the church year, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org worship. May the Word of Christ dwell richly in you. Would
1: you like to spend more time in God's Word in the new year? Does your tight schedule prevent you from sitting down with your Bible? Do you sometimes find the Bible confusing? Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for the Word of the Lord endures forever. A daily 15 minute verse by verse Bible study with the church, past and present. You can listen anytime, anywhere, on your commute, at the gym, or while doing housework. Learn more at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever.
0: of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We're studying this Advent hymn with Pastor Will Whedon. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues, Etc. These next two, Jesse's Branch, or however it is commonly translated, and Key of David, they're a little more obscure references in the Bible, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they are. So let's sort of unpack that. The original, again, O Root of Jesse standing as an ensign before whom all kings are mute, to whom the nations will do homage, come quickly to deliver us. Branch of Jesse's tree, root of Jesse. Well, they both tie together to a scripture passage in Isaiah 11. Is it okay if I just read this entire section? Okay. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them the cow and the bear shall graze. who will stand as a signal for the peoples of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. So you have to picture the way that Isaiah is describing this, even though he prophesied before the kingdom was finally chopped down. I mean, the dynasty of David was chopped down, right? I mean, it's gone. It's history. And and yet God foretold that out of that chopped down stump from the roots, a branch is going to come forth, and the branch is going to be connected to the root of Jesse, to David's family, and he's going to have this forever kingdom. When the angel comes to tell Mary that she's conceived and, 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 and that she's going to bear a son, He tells her that the Lord God will give to him the kingdom of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Israel forever, a reign that has no ending. So this beautiful picture of Jesus as the successor to David, the one who fulfills all the promise that God gave to David, the king who has a forever kingdom and sits on his throne, and who? I mean, his kingdom just never ends, and this one has the ability to bring the nations to himself, so that they worship him. They do homage to him, homage to him, and 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 they. He shuts the mouths of kings. You know, I mean, literally, you see the, the 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 church spread from kingdom to kingdom and kings would doff their their crowns before king Jesus as they confessed and believed that he was indeed the promised messiah. And one other thing about that prophecy in in Isaiah 11 that's interesting the nature of messiah's Kingdom is that he's going to, you know, destroy wickedness with this breath of his mouth. That is by his word, he's going to wipe out this wickedness. At this description of the animals living together, the, you know, the, the the ones that are usually um, preying on other animals, they're all living together in peace. Well, think about how this wolf that comes from from the tribe of Benjamin, named Saul. When Jesus breathes his word, he kills the wickedness in the man, and the man becomes the great St. Paul, the apostle who preaches the way and wisdom of love. It becomes a, a fulfillment of this in human relations, and it's a beautiful thing to see.
0: I want to explore a couple things in this stanza a little further, and that is in the original antiphon, before whom all the kings of the earth are mute. Is that a picture of judgment there? What is the, exactly the picture that is being painted there.
1: Yeah, I think the point is kings are used to being bosses. They're used to saying, You do what I say. Well before this one, they're 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 like, We're not we're not making any <laughs> We're not doing that. he He's the one who gets to have to say, they acknowledge he's the king of kings. I mean, that's the point of that title, king of kings. He's the one to whom kings themselves owe obedience and whom they must obey. And so, yeah, a picture, of course, on judgment day, everybody's going to be mute. No one's going to be able to answer back. But on it, 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 as the gospel itself progresses, as the word of the law and the word of the gospel go out and actually slay wickedness in us and implant in us, the gift of the Spirit of God, we then are silent before this king, and we don't try to tell him how to do things and what to do. We instead listen to what he says, and we
0: try to follow what he says. There's a connection between Satan's tyranny and then, in the English translation, the victory over the grave. We've talked about this before, how Satan's rule is really based—it's a fear-based rule, it and is it's a, fear, a fear of death,
1: fear of death for uh, you know, really clear teaching from Hebrews, right? He has his power from the fear of death and Christ came to actually destroy that. He destroys it not by getting, Oh well, I always go back to the two thieves on the cross, right? I mean, on the one hand, there's the thief that's saying, you know, what good is the savior that doesn't get us out of this? Save yourself in us, get us out of this death. And on the other hand, you've got the one who realizes, whoa, he's saving us through his death. And pleads, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's not that the salvation he gives gets you out of death. It doesn't give you a get out of death free card. You're going to go through death. But— It is absolutely true that he's going to bring you out of death into life. He's going to break Satan's tyranny, especially this fear of the grave. Once you see that he's alive and he's never going to die again, and he's promised you, I'm going to do this for you. I punched a hole in the belly of death. I will lead you out. It will not be able to hold you. Once you get that, you realize you have victory over the grave, even now. Baptized into him, we really are a people for whom... If we're really being honest, heading down the highway of life, death is in the rearview mirror, man. It's already been taken care of by him. We're going to still die up ahead, but we already know
0: it's got that hole. We're going to literally drive right through it with Jesus. Now, how do we reconcile the fact that Satan did not rule Jesus? Jesus did not have this fear of death and Gethsemane and the agony of the cross.
1: Well, Jesus certainly had in himself a true human nature, which recoiled before the suffering of the cross. I don't think there could be any question of that. You read the Gospels, it's really clear. And he also knew that he was going to be receiving into himself the entire judgment of the divine nature against all human sin. It was terrifying. That's a fear of God. That's a a fear of God. God. He saw that, and he was trembling before it, right? And it was joined in him with the fear of what his human body was going to have to undergo. And that's that's perfectly understandable. Look at what he had to endure. And especially when you stop and realize, whoa, and the one who is doing this with a single word or a single thought could have wiped out everybody who's inflicting all of this on him. And instead, he chooses to take it in order that the condemned might be set free. He will be condemned that the condemned might be free. He will take death. Death. That we might be given life. It, it's just a really beautiful thing. And and in Gethsemane, it's all just looming so massive in front of him, the whole thing, everything he's going to have to endure. He's been telling them up front about it for weeks and weeks before that moment happens. But when he's staring at it, obviously it becomes it, you know, it just fills his whole horizon. That's why he wants them there awake and praying with him in these last few moments.
0: And that power to save. Join that together, if you would, with my power is made perfect in weakness.
1: Yeah. It's one of the most interesting little antiphons that comes from the uh, the Eastern liturgy. Trampling down death by death. Or, as we have in the Western liturgy, well, it's also in both Eastern and Western, how joy has come into all the world by the wood of the cross. It's like it is through death that he destroys death it's it's not by his invincible life it's by him giving himself into death that he explodes death so it is his weakness that actually ends up being our very salvation his mighty power to save is always tied to his strong love his word coming to us carrying us through the midst of really difficult unthinkable moments but they carry us through it looks like nothing but weakness that's why paul would call it the foolishness of what we preach but that's what he uses to save those who will believe
0: anything to add on stanza 4
1: oh i should add this you know it it was the, the custom because the the head gardener usually got to to sing the etafot on this day so he might have a gift for the brothers like a radish which
0: by the way is like related to the word root we're studying the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, with Pastor Will Whedon, host of the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study, produced by Lutheran Public Radio, called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Leading a chaste and decent life is the theme of the January issue of the Lutheran Witness magazine. It contains columns from Issues Etc. guests, Dr. Joel Bierman, Katie Shurman, and Pastor Tom Eckstein. The Lutheran Witness is available in print and online. Learn more at lcms.org slash witness or or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040, The Lutheran Witness Magazine. O come, thou key of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice! Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. That stanza next.
5: Educating a new generation of Lutherans. You're listening to Issues Etc.
1: What makes Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church in Freeburg, Illinois so special? Our new members talk about the family atmosphere, the welcoming people, and the outstanding music. But most importantly, you'll be confronted with your sin and comforted with the assurance that Jesus has removed that sin so that you can live each day as his baptized and forgiven child. Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church is at 612 North State Street in Freeburg, Illinois. Sunday worship is at 9 a.m. Sunday school and Bible classes at 1020 a.m. Call 618-539-5664.
7: I am beautiful because
2: I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because
9: I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood.
7: Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org.
9: Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His way.
5: Christological. MY FRIENDS, JESUS COMES ONLY FOR SINNERS. HISTORICAL
6: I BELIEVE IN GOD, THE FATHER ALMIGHTY, MAKER OF HEAVEN AND EARTH, AND IN JESUS CHRIST, HIS ONLY SON, OUR LORD, WHO WAS CONCEIVED... By
5: SACRAMENTAL TAKE AND EAT. THIS IS THE TRUE BODY OF OUR LORD AND SAVIOR JESUS CHRIST, GIVEN UNTO DEATH FOR YOUR SINS. To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church.
6: Concordia University Chicago is committed to keeping college affordable for all and especially for LCMS Lutherans. We have scholarships available specifically for students who are LCMS members. This is Dr. Russell Dawn, President of Concordia Chicago, asking you to encourage your student to check out Concordia Chicago at cuchicago.edu. And if you are interested in supporting these scholarships, please find us online at foundation at
8: This is Jeff Schwartz, General Manager
6: of
1: Lutheran Public Radio, with a message for listeners in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. We pledge to have Issues Etc. podcasts posted daily, no later than 5 p.m. Mountain, 4 p.m. Pacific. This will allow you to download
8: and listen to the latest Issues Etc. podcasts weekdays during your evening commute. Again, if you live in the Mountain or Pacific time zone, Download Issues, etc. before you leave work and listen during your drive home.
4: College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.
5: Lutheran Talk. We have an ecumenical responsibility to hold forth the scriptures and to bear witness to grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Lutheran Music.
6: Listen anytime, anywhere in 2020 with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org.
0: of the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We're studying this Advent hymn with Pastor Will Whedon, host of the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Now, going into 2021, make a resolution to study the Word of God with Pastor Whedon. You won't regret it. Learn more at thewordendures.org, the LPR mobile app, and your favorite podcast provider, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. Take us into this fifth stanza, if you would, Will. Sure. The antiphon itself
1: reads, O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can close. You close and no one can open. Come and rescue the prisoners who are in darkness and the shadow of death. Now, in the you said that these next two titles were obscure, and this one is probably the single most obscure title in the entire set. So you have to go back to Isaiah 22 and listen to these words. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, go to the steward, to Shebna, who is over the household, and say to him, what have you to do here? And whom have you here that you have cut out here a tomb for yourself? And who cut out a tomb on the height and carve a dwelling for yourself in the rock? Behold, the Lord will hurl you away violently, O you strong man. He will seize firm hold of you and whirl you around and around and throw you like a ball into a wide land. There you shall die, and there shall your glorious chariots you shame of your master's house. Uh, And there shall be your glorious chariots, you shame of your master's house. I will thrust you from your office and you will be pulled down from your station. Now here, listen. In that day, I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and I will bind your sash on him and will commit your authority to his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open, and none shall shut. And he shall shut, and none shall open. And I will fasten him like a peg in a secure place, and he shall become a throne of honor to his father's house. And they will hang on him the whole honor "...of his father's house." It goes on a little bit further than that, but that's the gist of it. So the point is, there was this pretender that God says, "'Dude, I'm grabbing hold of you, and I'm hurling you out of your place, and I'm putting instead in your place the one who is the rightful one for this position.'" The one who, who will have the key of David. You can't. I mean, you can't help but see that the the ruler of this world, Satan, being picked up and hurled out of his place, and in his place, the one who is. Remember, Satan told him in the in the temptation, "Look, I'll show you all the kingdom of the world and all their glory, and look, I'll give all of this to you. It belongs to me. I can give it to anybody I want to." And Jesus is like, uh, you know, I mean, and all he had to do was get down and worship him. And Jesus is like, uh, no, no, I'm the Lord your God. Remember you shall have no other gods before me so don't put me to the test with this and and he absolutely refuses that and of course all authority in heaven and on earth actually is jesus's anyway now i have to confess as i read the opening stanza here "O come thou key of david come and open wide our heavenly home it kind of reminds me doesn't it todd of the way it says in te Deum laudamus that you know the great canticle from matins or morning prayer when thou haddest overcome the sharpness of death, thou haddest open the kingdom of heaven to all believers. And in my my daily devotions, I don't know when it was, maybe a month ago, two months ago, this picture came to me as I was praying the Te Deum. I never really had it before, but imagine the doors of the kingdom, right? You know, being shut and then picture Jesus with his elbow, you know, bursting open the doors, So it's wide open. And that's that's what he, who is the key of David, can do to the kingdom. Obviously, in the background, in Eden, the gate is shut, barred, guarded by angels, right? But now the key of David comes, who held like a peg in a secure place, <laughs> nailed to the tree. He is going to throw open the kingdom of heaven for all believers. And that's what makes safe the way for the people of God to go back home. This title of Jesus is actually picked up in Revelation 3, verse 7. And so to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open. Well, if the closed door is the exile of Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve are shown the door, Christ is the one who alone opens up the way to the, the, the kingdom. Remember how in the next chapter in revelation chapter four there's an open door that he sees and he literally goes through that door for all the rest of the vision of revelation and that's what jesus himself has opened up and the way home well doesn't that remind you of the way isaiah would prophesy in chapter 35 you know several chapters after the ones we just heard he says a highway will be there it'll be called the way of holiness the unclean shall not pass over it it shall belong to those who walk on the way. And even if they're fools, they will not go astray. No lion's going to be there, nor any other ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will be upon their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing are going to flee away. Turn tail and run. And one last thing, if I can, you know, it says, close the path to misery in the actual antiphon, come and rescue the prisoners who are in darkness and the shadow of death. That kind of reminds you of Psalm 107, verses 10 to 14, Psalm Sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed down their hearts with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. That's what our, our Jesus has done for us as our key of David.
0: And since the translation has introduced the notion of this path to home and this path to misery, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. reflect a little bit, if you would, on Jesus' very clear statement that he alone is this path to the Father.
1: Right. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14. And remember how that first writing we have outside of the New Testament, the the didache, it actually starts with, folks, there's two ways. One is a path to life and the other is the path of death. Jesus himself had said this, right? The way to life is actually hard and narrow. It's only in him. And the way to hell, it's easy and broad, and lots of people take it. It's just simply self-indulgence. Head that way, and you know that's where you end up. On the other hand, the path of life with Jesus is is much narrower. It's as narrow as the one man hanging on the cross.
0: The image of misery is one that I think We've detached from eternal punishment, that- yeah, it's
1: a I mean it's a shame because we we get kind of right in this life already. the joys that come are little teasing tastes, their' foretaste of the joy that is still awaiting us. I mean, a family gathered together and enjoying each other around a feast, a meal that in itself, we know is a foretaste of the feast to come, right. Well, the miseries of this world, they're also foretaste too. The regrets, the sorrows, the loneliness, the fear, all of that's a foretaste of hell. So I love how C.S. Lewis kind of pictured this, where he's like, the world itself gives you both, you get a taste of either one. And God gives you both that you might learn to run from the one into the other,
0: (laughs) right? And only Christians can endure the miseries of this life, which by comparison with the miseries of eternal death are nothing, but only Christians can endure those miseries knowing that home is ahead. Right, right. I mean, we endure
1: the the, the miseries of this world in communion with him who endured all of this on his cross. And in the fellowship of his cross, we know that this is how he actually opened the kingdom to us. And so we can endure whatever comes our way in the confidence and hope that Emmanuel has opened up to us the kingdom of
0: heaven. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're studying this Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Next, O come thou dayspring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel.
2: This is a message for pastors and lay leaders of Missouri Synod congregations. As we enter the last quarter of 2020, how are you doing and how's your church doing? What has the COVID lockdown done to your attendance and giving? In 25% of our churches, giving's actually gone up. So why are some churches struggling and others thriving? Here at LCMS Stewardship and the whole Office of National Mission team, we have answers and we have help for you and your church today. LCMS.org slash stewardship.
9: Hi, this is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Are you an investor looking to support the bold and loving work of LCMS churches? Is your church or organization ready to do bold and loving work? This year, we have a ripe opportunity to bring Christ to a hurting world. Discover the role you can play in this great work. Call 800-843-5233 or visit lcef.org. That's 800-843-5233, lcef.org
5: sacramental, historical, liturgical. You're listening to Issues Etc.
4: In the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatics on Holy Scripture, I seek to expound and defend the doctrine of Holy Scripture in three areas.
0: Dr. Jack Kilcrease talking about his new book in the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatics series, Holy Scripture.
4: One, the absolute truthfulness of Holy Scripture. Two, the Christ-centered nature of Holy Scripture and three, to expound and defend the doctrine of Holy Scripture in a postmodern environment.
0: Learn more about Holy Scripture at lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com.
5: Do you know any military veterans in your church or community? Do you have a passion to support and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Then Operation Barnabas is for you. Called by Christ's love, Operation Barnabas engages, empowers, and equips LCMS faith communities to provide hope, healing and support to military connected persons living in their community operation barnabas is a program of lcms ministry to the armed forces find out more at lcms.org armed forces
0: The six of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. So this sixth stanza uses this term dayspring, which I can't think of another instance in which we use this in everyday language. What's a dayspring?
1: Yeah, the original O'Orient's the 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 star of the East that brings the morning with it. In other words, the sun, it's just talking about the sun, the, 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 the light that comes with the springing up of the day, if I can put it that way. My wife and I were walking around the neighborhood this morning and we got to watch it happen one more time. I bet you and your wife were too, weren't you? Um, it's an absolutely beautiful sight to see. So the original actually says, O oh, day, spring, splendor of light everlasting, come, and enlighten those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. That same phrase that we heard before. Now, in our day, when this stanza comes to be used, it's supposedly used on the 21st of December. Can you think of a neat correlation there, Todd? The 21st of December, oh, day spring. Mm -hmm. Hmm. On the shortest day of the year. The very
0: shortest day of the year.
1: We call for him. And I used to think that was so cool until I realized that, of course, when they were written, they were using the Julian calendar. And the shortest day of the year had slipped. Remember, they didn't have leap years built in to keep things more or less on on track. So by the time, you know, you come to the Reformation anyway, uh, I think the solstice tended to occur about the 13th of December on St. Lucie's Day, but... It's still a beautiful thought that in our day, at any case, on the shortest day of the year, we cry out to the day spring, to Christ, to come and and shine his light on us. So there's so many places in scripture that we could go to to talk about this. Let's take maybe one of the most obvious ones from Isaiah chapter 9. Remember that beautiful, I mean, everybody remembers the later part of Isaiah 9 because of Handel's Messiah, right? You know, unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And it's just beautiful. But at the beginning of that, 9 verses 1 and 2, but there shall be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, He has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So already there, and at the beginning of Isaiah 9, he's foretelling, you know, at the beginning when, when Israel turned away from him and Isaiah's dealing with that, that time, he foretells that that's going to be a time of disgrace for the north. They're going to be taken captive and led away. But I'm not quite done with that area. I'm going to actually send to them a light that's really massive and huge, a great light who will shine on those who dwell in the land of deep darkness and you know, shrouded with death. And Isaiah just keeps playing with this light theme. He does it so many places, but maybe the next really big one is in chapter 60, which is usually a reading for the Feast of the Epiphany. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord, the glory of Yahweh, has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, And thick darkness the peoples, but Yahweh the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip, and you will see and be radiant, and your heart will thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and they shall bring good news. The praises of the Lord. So, this picture of the Lord arising on his people, which of course happened in our Lord's minute well, Matthew tells you in chapter 4 that the fulfillment of Isaiah 9 happened in Jesus' ministry in Galilee. And of course, then people began coming to him from all the nations of the world. And they have in all the years ever since. The light began shining in Israel. And as it shone, the nation streamed to that light and have been joined to the church. Another passage from the prophets we most certainly should consider is Malachi 4. Malachi 4, beginning at verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness, shall rise with healing in its wings, and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. So it's the same light, right? The light that burns up the wicked is the light that is healing and joy to, to those who are waiting for him, to those who fear his name. and when the father of St. John the Baptist, he would had all this pent up inside of him for these nine months. And finally, at the circumcision of John, he, his mouth is loosed and he speaks out praising God. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise, the day spring, the orients, from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And Jesus himself, of course, claimed in in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. And you can think how at the very tail end of the New Testament, Todd, St. John the Apostle, he would say, the city doesn't need any light of sun or moon because it has God himself as its light and its lamp is the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is this great light. So this, everything that, I don't know, are, 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 you, are you much of a sun
0: worshiper or not? I mean, you know what I mean. I don't, I don't mean
1: actually falling down to the sun, but I mean enjoying it. I,
0: I don't, I don't uh, lay in the sun like you do. I like being out in the sun. And I was just thinking that my relationship to, well, yesterday, which was the 21st of December, the shortest day. I hate the day itself because it's dark when I leave work. But I love the day for a different reason. And that's because the days can only get longer from this point on. It's better from here. (laughs) And it's the same relationship I have with June 21st. I love the day because it's sunlight for so long. But I hate it for a different reason, Mm -hmm. which is the days can only get shorter from here. We've talked about this before, that God has built into creation that kind of anticipation through these heavenly bodies. Mm Mm-hmm. To remind the Christian, and really only the Christian can get this right, of the hope
1: of that dawning light. Right, right. And so in the very darkest moment, you remember, ah, but there is going to be a growing light, and the light will grow to its fullness. And, you know, mentioning the the solstices reminds me, hopefully this is not going too far astray, but it reminds me of the famous statement of Bede, On St. John. He argued St. John's nativity is celebrated about that time of the summer solstice, while Christ's nativity is celebrated about the time of the winter solstice, because John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. So after John, the light goes down, and after the birth of Christ, the light
0: goes up. I love that. One more thought here, if we could, from 1 John, where at the very outset, he says something that sounds so simple and strange— that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. What is the apostle telling us there? I think you could almost paraphrase that, Todd, with God
1: is love and in him there is nothing that obscures that love. That is the light that is in God. And and what we sing at Christmas Eve, right? Love's pure beams shining from the baby's face. It's in silent night. And, and, and that's absolutely the truth. In Jesus, you have come to know a love that has no darkness in it. Our love's they're sadly always, they got some corruption in them. There's always some darkness in them. But his love is without darkness. There is no taint of self-interest in his love. He's just pure, overwhelming, overflowing love. And that is the light
0: which he came to bring into this world for us. Up next, the seventh and final stanza of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We're studying it with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. O come, desire of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad divisions cease, and be thyself our King of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel.
7: that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start the foundation of jesus christ concordia publishing house offers more than 8,000 products for churches schools and homes dedicated customer service and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most click to connect at cph.org concordia publishing house listening responding providing for god's people concordia publishing house cph.org
6: I'm Pastor Todd Rappi. I serve a congregation here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, our Redeemer Lutheran Church, a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. All of the saints here gather around blood, water, and spirit as theologians of the cross every Sunday morning at 1030. We only welcome sinners. We certainly would welcome you. If you'd like to contact us through our website, you may do so at faylcms.org.
10: Rockin'
6: around the Christmas tree Have a holly, jolly
3: Christmas It's the most wonderful time Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle
8: bell Tired of an endless loop of pop Christmas music? Coming December 24th Sacred Music for the Christmas Season, Lutheran Public Serenity, Stability, Solemnity. Lutheran Public Radio, Sacred Music for the Christmas Season, coming Christmas Eve at Lutheran Public
5: We're supported by listeners like you. You're listening to Issues
0: Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor Advent Lutheran, Zionsville, Indiana, Christ our Savior Lutheran, Elizabeth, Colorado, Good Shepherd Lutheran, Lincoln, Nebraska, Hope Lutheran, Sonora, Texas, Memorial Lutheran, Houston, Texas, Redeemer Lutheran, Jackson, Wyoming, St. John Lutheran, Mayville, Wisconsin, our Savior Lutheran, Houston, Texas, St. Paul Lutheran, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Trinity Lutheran, Millstadt, Illinois. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues, Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click support, donate, and print the one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the radio, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Stanza 7 of the Advent Hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. What would you say about this final stanza?
1: Well, let's get the original antiphon in there, O Rex Gentium. O King of the nations, the ruler they long for, the cornerstone uniting all people, come and save us all whom you have made out of clay. So the chief passage in view here is Haggai 2.7, but if you look it up in your English Standard Version, you're still going to be scratching your head. Listen to this. And I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill the south with glory, says the Lord of hosts. But if you look at that same passage in either the King James or even better on this one, the Douay Reims version, that's a little closer to the Latin Vulgate that this stanza is built on, then you get this For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet one little while, and I will move the heaven and the earth, and the sea and the dry land, and I will move all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts, the desired of all nations. So the desire of nations, that's really from the Vulgate rendering there of that that passage in Haggai. This idea, though, that all people really do want to have an end to all of the earthly strife and division, it can almost be hard to believe right now, isn't it, Todd? I mean, it seems like some people actually thrive on the strife and division. How can we set people against one another? Uh, my, my son once commented to me that, man, if we could just get rid of Facebook, I think half of this stuff would go away. <laughs> I think he's probably right. But people are just really divided in our day. But they've kind of been that way for a long time. Probably the greatest threat to most human beings throughout most of time has been other human beings, much more than animals and wild beast or disease. Human beings are the biggest threat to themselves. So there is this desire, though, of people of goodwill where they say, like, oh man, what would it take for us to actually be one? Well, God's answer is, I've got the solution for you. His name is Jesus. So since Babel and nation against nation and the divisions of mankind that are so painful and the the war and the bloodshed and the hunger and the suffering and all the enmity, it all dies in him. In him, there is one in whom all people can be united. But we shouldn't be simplistic here. He will bind the hearts of all into one, but it's only in him. So remember he said, hey, don't think I've come to bring peace. I haven't come to bring peace, but division, even into families, to divide, you know, mother against daughter, et cetera, all the way through the, the the family structure, because if they reject him, then there will be no peace. But in him, there is peace between very disparate individuals. In Jesus, there is no such thing as a human life that does not matter, be it black, be it white, be it anything in between, be it, you know, wealthy or poor or man or woman. In Jesus, we see all lives as valuable because he literally came into the flesh and has taken on our common nature. We have been joined together in him. And so that's why Paul, when he's trying to unpack this. He could write to the Christians in Ephesians 2, but now in Christ Jesus, you, meaning you Gentiles, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us, meaning Jew and Gentile, made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh, Notice blood and flesh, okay? The dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, he said it again, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Hostility is, of us against God, hostility of God's wrath against human sin, hostility of human to human being. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off, you to you Gentiles, peace to those who were near. And through him, we all of us together in one spirit of access to the Father. And as a result of this, you are no longer strangers. You are no longer aliens. You are are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. He's the one who will hold all the divisions together because he took into his own body all of the enmity of the entire human race.
0: We invent new ways to divide ourselves from one another politically and in every other way, ideologically. And yet we have that impulse toward peace. I think we, even as sinners, have that impulse toward peace on our own terms. If it is true, as you have said, that true peace and unity only exist in Christ and for those who are in him, what does that say of our Feeble attempts to make peace apart from Christ, be it in the world or especially in the church.
1: Well, it will always be doomed to failure when we try to create peace. Peace is the gift that He gives us in Christ. That's why, you know, the angels that night, the night of His birth, after proclaiming him the good news of great joy for all people, went on to sing, "Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, goodwill to toward... what's this peace on earth? People have uh, remember even in the it's in the Christmas carol. It doesn't look like there's peace on earth. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. It, you know, it's like d- this does not look real, right? W- where's this peace? But the point is, peace just like joy was on earth because Jesus is on earth. Peace is on earth now because Christ is on earth. And in him, there is no enmity. In him, the, the, the hus, all hostilities die because in him is this pure, unbounded love. As John would go on to say in his, in his first epistle, 1 John 4, God is love. God is love. And he's seen and come to know this in Jesus and so so that's why he's constantly exhorting us. When he says, live in love, little children, live in love, what is he saying? Live in Jesus. Live in the one who is the source of unending love. So, I mean, Todd, it really comes down to this. The church is the answer of God to humanity's nonstop tribalism. And so it's a really triple tragedy when tribalism invades the church, Right. There is no room for this in Emmanuel's kingdom. There are no black churches. There are no white churches. There are no Chinese churches. There are no English churches. There's the church of Jesus Christ in which all have been joined through baptism into him and all given as sisters and brothers to one another. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what he came to give. Now, I do want to pick up one more little thing from that original antiphon, if I can. Did you notice that little zinger there at the end? Come and save us all whom you made out of clay. That's as good as the thing of him giving the law in Sinai. It's saying, oh, and by the way, (laughs) this one who is the, the, the uniter of all people, he can be our union because he's actually our maker, His hands made and formed us. They formed Adam in the garden, and so we are all the result of his workmanship. And so how else could we be united
0: except in the one who actually created us? In answer to the question, where do we find this peace today? I'm put in mind of Dr. Arthur Just, who has very often, here on Issues Etc., pointed out that the word peace is not only the most commonly uttered word in the liturgy, he says, it's pretty much what the divine service is all about. What are your thoughts? Oh, amen.
1: Because the divine service is all about giving you Jesus, it gives you Jesus as your peace, your peace with one another, the peace of the Lord be with you always. And and also he gives you Jesus as your peace with the Father. And so you literally live in his peace. It is what is is the prayer of the church? But literally lifting up all of the concerns and heartaches and joys and sorrows, everything of the human race, and placing it into the unending peace of Jesus. Yes, I mean, it's it's a real, well, Dr. Nagel again always said, you know you're getting it right when the words are running synonymous. So is Jesus peace or is Jesus joy and it's like yes. <laughs> you know, this he is the gift to us both of peace and of everlasting joy and both of those run through the entirety of of the church's life in this world. You want to taste peace? Yeah. Come to the place where Jesus will put into you into your ears, his words and promises that will see you through death to life everlasting, that wipe out your sins. Open your mouth and receive his body and blood. Be part of his family where you realize these are people that I'll be with forever because we've been joined to him and in him we have a
0: unity that not even death can ever sever
1: or separate.
0: Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and he's authored the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. When we come back in our study of the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we will hear the entire hymn, and we'll get Pastor Whedon's final thoughts. Stay tuned. If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. this year, please make a year-end tax-deductible donation to support this worldwide outreach. You can contribute by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Issues Etc. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois 62234. You can also make a year-end tax-deductible gift online at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for including Issues Etc.
4: in your year-end giving. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
5: Old theology, new technology, you're listening to Issues Etc.
6: Is your school or home school ready to take the next step in teaching students with learning challenges? We can help. The Simply Classical curriculum, voted number one for special learners, is available from Memoria Press for students with autism, learning disabilities, or Down syndrome. We provide everything you need for a full year. Use promo code LPR21 at simplyclassical.com, simplyclassical.com.
1: Would you like to spend more time in God's Word in the new year? Does your tight schedule prevent you from sitting down with your Bible? Do you sometimes find the Bible confusing? Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for the Word of the Lord endures forever a daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. You can listen anytime, anywhere, on your commute, at the gym, or while doing housework. Learn more at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever.
0: We're studying the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to Issues, Etc. If you appreciate our hymn studies, please make a year-end tax-deductible donation to support the worldwide outreach of Issues, Etc. No gift is too small. You can make a financial contribution by check, make your check payable to Issues, Etc., and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support at the end of 2020. Let's hear the entire Advent Hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and then we'll get Pastor Whedon's final thoughts.
2: Oh,
3: come on.
0: In Public Radio Choir with the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Pastor Whedon, what are your final thoughts here? Wow. Three things briefly. First of all, I have to tell you,
1: you know, this hymn, as it used to be in TLH, the Lutheran hymnal was four stanza. And so it was like our family's Advent hymn every year. So we would sing on the first week of Advent, the first stanza as we lit the one candle on the wreath. And then the second week of Advent, we would sing the first and second stanzas, and we would light the two candles. The third week, of course, the first, second, third stanzas, and the three candles. And then finally, the fourth week, we would sing all four of those stanzas. And it just became, to our family, the way that we think of Advent. It's, it, it's like it's permeated, by This Hymn. It accompanied us in our house with the, with, when our kids were little from the earliest day of Advent all the way through to the very last. Second, I do want to remind everybody that please go check out the Lutheran Witness blog, and you can actually hear those antiphons being sung by pastor Danzer because he really does such a beautiful beautiful job with them and I think you don't get the the full flavor of it till you've you've heard it that way and uh, the third thing Todd is We've done an entire series on the great O antiphons, on issues, etc. before, and if people really want to dig into the antiphons, maybe we could put the link for that underneath this hymn study so they can actually go and hear in detail about each single original antiphon, and here the you know the the, the way they were sung. Actually, they're sung there both by. In, if I remember correctly, we had them both in Gregorian, and we had a beautiful. Was it He Healy Willen Willan or Carl shock I can't remember one or the other. That uh, that did a setting that's just beautiful. It. it it, it it pulls you into the prayer, just the way that uh, I think the the singing of the antiphons in the monasteries pulled everybody into them with greater growing anticipation. Emmanuel is almost here. Erocras, I will be here
0: tomorrow. We started our conversation talking about this, whether it was sung in this form, the antiphon form of this hymn form. This has been the hymn of the church that the church has been singing since Christ invited us by the Spirit to say, come, come, Lord Jesus. Yeah, your yeah. final thoughts with about a minute or so.
1: Maranatha, right? It, 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 is the, it is the prayer of God's waiting people. And it's such a beautiful thought. I'll never forget hearing this at a, a chapel at the International Center, where one of my colleagues, he just pointed out, look, the early church, if they were terrified of his coming, they would not be praying all the time come Lord Jesus. But it's simply that they can pray, O come, O come, Emmanuel, because they know he's coming with healing in his wings. He's coming with grace, with forgiveness. He will shield us with his mercy and with words of love drawn ears away, another medieval hymn put it. And that's absolutely the truth. We pray,
0: come Lord Jesus. Folks, you will find links to our studies of the O Antiphons and to the blog for the Lutheran Witness at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, thank you very much, and Merry Christmas. Hey, to you too, Todd. Such a joy. Pastor Will Whedon will join us again tomorrow to study the Christmas hymn, Come Your Hearts and Voices Raising, and we'll discuss Christ's birth foretold in Micah with Dr. Jason Sinkson, author of the new Concordia commentary on Micah. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening.
5: Is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public
6: Radio. This is Dr. Russell Dawn, President of Concordia University Chicago, with a message for parents, grandparents, and godparents of college bound children. Concordia Chicago is a distinctive, comprehensive university of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We're devoted to our Lutheran confession and committed to strong academics please encourage your child, grandchild, or godchild to check out Concordia University Chicago at cuchicago.edu. The grace of God, the church's music, the Lord's Supper every service every Sunday, preaching Christ crucified and risen, our hope for years to come, there is hope in St. Louis, Hope Lutheran Church, that is, 5218 Neosho Street, St. Louis, Missouri, Find us on the web at hopelutheranstl.org. The Substitute Organist Service has been a great blessing for our worship life here at Christ the King Lutheran in Riverview, Florida.
0: Pastor Kevin Yoakum on the Substitute Organist Service.
6: Now our organ plays rich liturgical music every single Sunday, and it's very affordable. You pick the hymns, you pick the liturgies, it's very simple just know when to push play.
0: You can find out more about the Substitute Organist Service at churchmusicsolutions.com. Churchmusicsolutions.com. Do
1: you long for a church where the gospel of the sinner's free justification is front and center, and yet where a robust sacramental life is confessed and lived? Feel long for a church that rejoices in the sacred scriptures as the sole basis for the church's teaching and proclamation, yet values and listens to the witness of the ancient fathers and councils? Welcome to the Lutheran Church. We are what you've been looking for. Find a Christ-centered, cross-focused church near you on the Find the Church page at issuesetc.org.
0: Would you like to learn about the Reformation theology you hear on Issues Etc.? We'll send you a pamphlet of Luther's Small Catechism for free. It contains the biblical teachings on the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, Baptism, the Lord's Supper, and Confession and Absolution. Order your free copy of Luther's Small Catechism today. Just send your name and mailing address to talkback at issuesetc.org.